0: Do you travel for a living and struggle to maintain a healthy lifestyle like I do? Or maybe you just struggle to maintain a healthy lifestyle in general? This is the Road to Health podcast, and I am Tamar, your host for this adventure. I travel for business often, which presents some challenges in terms of achieving and maintaining a healthy lifestyle. Join me on my perfectly imperfect journey as I implement the strategies I've learned from the coaches I work with and interview on my show to lose 40 pounds by June 1st, 2020. I don't always manage to resist the temptations that come from traveling for business, but by working on a few key areas of my mental and physical health, I'm managing to get healthier as I go. No one needs to take this journey alone, so if you struggle to make healthy choices on the road like I do, join me for this ride on the road to health. Well-traveled, well-lived. Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome and thank you for joining me today. My name is Tamar, your host of the Road to Health podcast and I'm really fired up this morning because I woke up this morning after being away on a two-week business trip and I feel great and the reason I'm so fired up is typically when I get home from any sort of trip, doesn't matter if it's vacation or or a business trip, I feel exhausted and I feel like I actually need a full day just to kind of unwind, rest and recover. But this time I don't feel that way. So that's a huge win for me. I believe that one of the contributors to this was probably going on vacation right before this trip. I really overdid it. Um, I overindulged. I have absolutely no regrets by the way because I don't like to put a lot of stress on my vacation, I wanna make sure I have a good time, but I really did overdo it and I felt it when I got home. And because I had come to the realization that, you know, carbs and and sugar is something that I really struggle with, I went into this trip with a bit of a different mindset, a little bit more strict mindset. And I'm, you know, as I mentioned, I'm part of the Deeper State Keto course, which is a 90-day program. So I really wanted to make my number one goal, not having any sugar. That's the biggest thing. And so I felt that this was a good way to do it because I kind of took that approach as when I quit drinking is I knew that I couldn't have a couple beers a day because that's just not me. I've got, you know, an issue with addiction. And once I have one, I like to have 20. And so I kind of took that approach for the sugar is that I knew that if I didn't have any, that I probably wouldn't crave any eventually. And I knew this was going to take time. So I went into this trip really focused on my macros, making sure I tracked everything. I do track my food daily anyhow, but I was even more strict actually focusing on my macros this time around. I also did a lot of research uh, in terms of restaurants, which I posted a video about in my Facebook page. And so I knew exactly the restaurants that I could look up on Uber Eats and know what I was going to order and stay on track. So I think in that aspect, um, that's the number one thing that I took away from this trip is I just, I went in with a different mindset. I knew exactly what the plan was and I executed that plan. And the second thing I took away from it was that, you know, when I wasn't filling my body with heavy carbs or sugary treats, I wasn't actually craving them, which is really new. And I might sound a little shocked, because remember, I am on this journey that is long term. And so I'm learning everything as I go, but I really didn't crave anything. You know, uh, the first week was really difficult because my body was really not liking the transition between overindulging and then not overindulging and eating really clean food. And so I Uh, wasn't feeling so good the first few days after holidays and transitioning into this eating style. But after the first week, I actually felt really good. I started to have more energy, that mental fog started to go away, which is really good. And I just wasn't craving those foods like pizza and pasta like I normally do, because I guarantee you typically once out of every trip that I go on, I have pizza because it is my favorite food. I actually went on a business trip to Chicago years ago and I think I ate deep dish pizza every single day and nobody saw me, so nobody knew, but I'm telling you now. So those are just kind of the things that I do. I like to, you know, if I eat those foods that I shouldn't be eating, there are times when I really go overboard. So that's something I tried to manage on this trip and I really... I enjoyed the outcome of it. I I'm really pleased with how I feel this weekend. How I have energy and I can spend time with you know friends and my spouse uh, now that I'm home. So super super pumped up about that. The other thing that I changed up with this trip is I actually. Uh, purchase a set of under sun resistant bands. Now I'm not an affiliate for them. But when I have a product that I'm trying, and it's working really well, I'm passionate about sharing it with everybody. So go to undersunfitness.com, check them out. I had decided that I wanted to make this easy for myself and buy back some time. And although I don't mind going to the gym, I love going to the gym it sometimes depending on where the gym was or the city that I'm going to would determine whether or not I actually wanted to branch out and go and drive to a gym at four o'clock in the morning when I like to work out. Now I also found that some of the hotels even if they have fitness centers not all of them were open 24 hours which is what I've been running up against. So I decided to purchase these bands because I had uh, spoken to someone about them. They had recommended them. This person who recommended them actually does bodybuilding and fitness competitions with them. So I thought, well, hey, if he can do it, then I can surely do it. So I did that and I, you know, saved myself like 30 minutes a morning because. I didn't have to fully get ready, right? I could just pop on my shoes, my exercise top, and then work out from the comfort of my own hotel room. So that worked out really, really well. And that's something that I'm gonna incorporate into my travel routine is bringing those resistant bands and getting that workout in that way. I typically focus on getting a good night's sleep, but my goal this trip was eight hours of sleep and I achieved that. So each and every night, I got at least eight hours of sleep. I actually for the first time ever as well, I track my sleep. So I use an Aura ring, they're really great. And I got two days where I got two hours of deep sleep per night. And I typically on average get anywhere between 15 minutes and 40 minutes of deep sleep per night. So getting two days at over two hours of deep sleep was really really good and it I'm sure it contributed to how I'm feeling after this trip. So um, you know I try to get about seven to eight hours of sleep on average per night but I'm really going to try and focus on getting at least eight moving forward because that seems to be a really good spot for me and I got a really great outcome this time around. Now Speaking of sleep, my guest that I'm interviewing today, her name is Martha Lewis, she is the owner of the Complete Sleep Solution. She calls herself a sleep angel which I love and if you're out there and you're struggling with help and you need a consultant, Definitely reach out to her. I will leave her information in the show notes as well as mention it after the show. But we had such a great conversation. There were some questions that I wanted to ask. I'm not going to tell you and give them away, but there was a question that I really wanted to ask because I was a little bit fearful of the answer, but I ended up getting the answer that I wanted, which was great. And so anyway, we had a a really good conversation about, you know, how food can affect our sleep. And, you know, that's why I'm kind of grateful that this last trip, I went away, I stuck to my food, I stuck to my plan. And as a result, I got better sleep. So um, I hope you guys enjoy this sleep. And like I said, if you struggle with sleep, feel free to reach out to Martha. She is a sleep consultant, and she's very good at what she does. So check out the interview and let me know what you think. Hey everyone, and thank you for joining me. Today I am interviewing the owner of the Complete Sleep Solution, Martha Lewis. So thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. So um, I love how you call yourself a sleep angel. (laughs) I went on your website and I was checking it out because I think I've taken sleep for granted for so many years, and it's something that I'm really choosing to focus on right now. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about what led you to becoming a sleep consultant and how the Complete Sleep Solution
1: came about? Sure. So I have actually always loved my sleep and know that I needed sleep. So my sleep struggles started with my son. And when he was a baby, even by the time he was three months old, he was still waking up every hour all night long. And I ended up hiring a sleep consultant to help with his sleep. And it made such a big difference in my life that I decided to become a sleep consultant for babies and kids to help parents. But the ironic thing was, is that even after he was sleeping, I still wasn't sleeping. And my (laughs) insomnia started in late pregnancy, but it didn't go away even when he was sleeping through the night by six months old. And I struggled with it for another year and a half or so before I finally put my foot down and said, I've got to do something about this. And luckily, Dana Obelman, who I trained with for the baby sleep, also offered an adult sleep certification. So I decided to take that. And I was pretty skeptical that it would help because I already knew a lot about sleep. But (laughs) it turns out that it did totally help. And I needed to make multiple changes to what I was doing to get back to sleeping great again. And so within a month, I was sleeping great pretty much every single night, which was amazing. Wow. Yeah. So now I'm excited to share what I learned with others and help adults as well. And so that's when I created my complete sleep solution, pretty much looking at all the factors that affect sleep. So all of our lifestyle and habits and diet and exercise and stress being a huge part of that. But looking in a holistic way at everything that affects sleep. And then I always had this thought in the back of my head though that what if someone has something going on that's keeping them from sleeping? What I know so far might not be enough. And so I recently trained with Christine Hansen from Sleep Like a Boss to learn about lab testing for underlying health issues and how those affect sleep. And and so then fixing it from that way as well, while combining everything else I learned too. So what my programs involve now is uh, is the lab testing included as well for things like gut health and hormones and thyroid that we're not always aware might be affecting our sleep, but they are.
0: Yeah. And those are things you really don't think about when you're not getting any sleep.
1: Right. Like, exactly.
0: I'm not sitting or lying in bed going, I wonder if it's my gut health tonight that I'm not sleeping. <laughs> Exactly. Maybe I should (laughs) Um, So one of the things that I've noticed since I've started traveling for work Is that if I don't get enough sleep, I tend to make really terrible decisions the next day And, you know, for a while I just thought, okay, it's just I'm emotional right now because I'm tired But it is actually proven that if you don't get enough sleep when it comes to your nutrition, it can really affect you
1: Yeah, definitely. So you're talking about decisions more around food. Right. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah. What happens when we're sleep deprived is that it changes our hunger signals. And so there are two hormones involved in hunger, uh, ghrelin and leptin. And leptin tells you when you're full and ghrelin tells you that you're still hungry. And when you don't get enough sleep, usually that's seven hours or less, then you actually have... Higher levels of ghrelin telling your body that you're hungry, even if you're eating the same amount that you did the day before, when you had enough sleep. Mm -hmm. And then there's another factor is that we tend to crave unhealthy foods as well, and it's because your body wants that quick energy. So that pastry is going to look extra appealing, and that cup of coffee to go with it. But then what happens is that that's going to put you on this blood sugar roller coaster. That is going to then sabotage your sleep the next night as well. Right. But yeah, studies show that people eat up to 300 more calories a day when they haven't got enough sleep. Wow. I could probably eat about a
0: thousand more calories a day when (laughs) I don't get enough sleep. So is there an ideal way to eat? I know that food plays a huge factor in how we sleep, but... um, in terms of, you know, I I know a lot of people do low carb and stuff like that, but is there a, a ideal way to eat to get a good night's sleep?
1: Yeah, so you want your blood sugar levels to be pretty even keel all day. And so you can do that by minimizing carbohydrates or at least when you have carbohydrates, making sure you eat them with healthy fat and protein, and that will slow down that blood sugar spike. So, yeah you know, kind of, and that's what a healthy diet is anyway, you know, is mm-hmm. eating lots of whole foods and keeping that blood sugar level stable. Because if you're on this roller coaster where your blood sugar spikes and then it crashes and then it spikes again. And whenever it spikes, your body releases insulin to lower that blood sugar again. And insulin is a pro-inflammatory hormone. So then your body releases cortisol, which is an anti-inflamm- anti-inflammatory, anti-inflammatory <laughs> hormone to deal with that insulin. And so then if you're on this blood sugar roller coaster all day and that continues into the night, mm-hmm. then your body's going to release cortisol in the night when you want it to be at zero. This cortisol suppresses melatonin. It's telling your body that it's daytime. And so you don't want that happening in the night at all. Right.
0: Yeah. So um, I've read somewhere where um, it was told that eat your proteins in the morning with your healthy fats if you are going to eat carbs, try to eat them for dinner. Is that true? It does help to eat
1: some carbohydrates for dinner. Okay. Actually for sleep. And I always suggest minimizing them at lunchtime because Mm -hmm. we have a normal dip in our circadian rhythm in the early afternoon after lunch, which is why so many cultures take a nap then. (laughs) But having a lot of carbohydrates with lunch is just going to make that even more pronounced. So it's just going to make you tired and crash. Um, As far as morning, yes, I think it kind of depends on your body type and your chronotype and things like that as to whether you should have carbohydrates or not. But you know, I do hear a lot that people going too low carb, if they get too low carb for their bodies, then it's going to impact their sleep. And so we need that carbohydrate to produce insulin and produce some of our other hormones actually that are going to help us sleep. Okay, that's
0: good. Because I love having my rice with my stir fry in the evening. And, <laughs> you know, I kind of swing but, between doing lower carb and moderate carbs and that thing. But I'll make sure that I have my carbs now in the evening instead yeah. of at lunch. <laughs> um, you had mentioned seven hours or more of sleep. And of course, I've heard all sorts of things. And I know it varies based on the person. But is it, you know, to have less than six hours of sleep a night? Um is that healthy for a person? Because I know, I've heard so many people say, oh, you only need four hours of sleep, or you only need five hours. But I don't know, I don't, since I've been getting seven and a half to eight hours of sleep, I feel 10 times better.
1: Yeah, awesome. Well, so most people need between seven and nine hours. Like you said, it's different for everyone. But studies show that when they call sleep deprivation, they call it less than seven hours Mm -hmm. and that your risk for all kinds of chronic diseases goes up, uh, for things like heart disease and diabetes and depression and Alzheimer's, like people who are sleeping fewer than seven hours a night consistently, they're more likely to actually get those chronic diseases. So that's where that number comes from. There are, it's like half a percentage of of people have what's called a short sleeper gene who truly only need maybe five, six hours of sleep. But supposedly, you know, 90% of the people who think they have that gene actually don't have that gene. (laughs) (laughs) They just think they're the Hulk or something. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So for really almost everyone, at least seven hours is what you want to shoot for to avoid, you know, long-term health risks and, and all the short-term, reasons we sleep as well, to be able to focus and be productive and be in a good mood and um, all those things. Yeah. And I've
0: noticed now, so what I do is um, I determine what time I have to wake up in the morning uh, to go work out. And then I actually will backtrack that about eight to nine hours and I kind of wind down and I read and I meditate So that by the time it should be that eight hours of sleep, I'm already in full meditation and hopefully I'm drifting off and going to sleep at around that time. So um, for in terms of getting to sleep um, easier, does meditation help with that?
1: I think so. It totally helps me. It sounds like it helps you too. Yes. 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 Um, you know, I think for someone just starting out meditating, I wouldn't recommend it doing it right before bed at first, cause it's something new and that can cause some anxiety. And so I usually recommend when people start out that they start doing it in the middle of the day, get comfortable with it and then start incorporating it into your bedtime routine. Mm-hmm. But I know for me, it just helps me get all those racing thoughts out of my head. Right. And then I don't wake up in the middle of the night with all those racing thoughts yeah
0: exactly and i've actually started journaling now so if i'm thinking about something before i start to wind down i write it down and then i see if i can figure out a solution and if i can't then at least i've got it out and i go to bed and hopefully i'm not thinking about it all evening (laughs) exactly no that's a great technique um so back to food i do intermittent fasting and i've been doing it since about september um does doing intermittent fasting and not having breakfast in the morning affect your sleep cycle or anything like that? It depends on the person. Okay.
1: Yeah. So for a a normal, healthy person, intermittent fasting is great. I think if people are having health problems and that can make that worse. Um, But yeah, as far as affecting sleep, yeah, it's just, it's just personal, I would say. Okay. So
0: if I haven't been having issues, I can continue to do that then. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, Working out, I work out in the morning, like I mentioned. I know a lot of people who travel for business though, that work out in the evening. Is there a preference over
1: the other in terms of optimal sleep? So the main thing is you don't want to work out too close to bed because what exercise does is it increases your heart rate it increases your blood pressure. It increases your body temperature temporarily. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And our bodies, as we fall asleep, actually all those things need to lower. (laughs) And so if you've just exercised, your body's gonna have a hard time decreasing its temperature, for example. So, you know, I usually say, try to exercise at least two hours before bed. And again, this is personal. Some people can exercise an hour before bed and they're fine. And if that's the only time they can get exercise in, then I think it's just experimenting and seeing if it affects their sleep or not. And, you know, judging it that way. Or if you do need to exercise really close to bed, maybe you don't do that HIIT workout, you know, (laughs) you go for a walk instead. Right. Even a walk while it doesn't feel like much to some people, it's still getting moving, you know, getting that heart rate up a little bit and it's going to help you sleep better than not doing anything at all.
0: Okay. And I mean, I know people who will take melatonin or sleep aids. Um, if they do that, they'll work out, you know, after their day, and then they go back to their hotel room and eat something. And then they'll typically take take sleep aids. But um, do sleep aids affect your long-term ability to sleep? So they might help you out, you know, for the first few days that you're trying to maybe get rid of the jet lag or you know, that just being tired from traveling, but do they affect you long-term if you continue to take them?
1: Well, it depends on what kind of aid we're talking about. Something like melatonin, there is evidence that when you start supplementing with it, then your body stops producing it on its own. Mm -hmm. And again, melatonin doesn't work for everyone. And it's also known to work to help you fall asleep and not necessarily stay asleep. So I always try, you know, with the people I work with that we're, going to do whatever we can to produce melatonin naturally so that you're not depending on a supplement for it Mm -hmm. that may or may not even work. Um, As far as other sleep aids, like an actual sleeping pill, those definitely give you a different kind of sleep or rest than you normally get naturally. So you're not going to go through the same cycles. You're not going to spend the same amount of time in each stage of sleep. And so it's, you know, it's more, a lot of those prescriptions are totally knocking you out and that's not the same as sleeping. Right. So yeah, it's definitely a different thing.
0: Okay. So you're not getting the deep sleep or maybe the REM sleep that you need to do, have complete recovery basically. Exactly. Um, So how can we, um, is it stuff we eat that helps produce melatonin? What produces melatonin
1: naturally? Well, our bodies should produce it if they have the right light cues. So our body clock depends on light a lot and food as well, but mainly on light. And so if you think about our ancestors who didn't have light bulbs and electricity and, and now screens, you know, they went to bed shortly after dark and their bodies knew that it was time because it was dark. And so that's why you'll, you hear and read all about the minimize blue lights and stay away from screens before bed, that's because those stimulate, they tell your body that it's daytime, and that's going to suppress melatonin. So the way to produce it naturally is to dim the lights an hour, at least before bed, you know, be away from the screens or wear blue light blocking glasses, and not to eat too close to bedtime, because again, eating is going to tell your body that it's daytime. Um, or at least not eating a large meal. And there are certain foods that have melatonin in them. And, you know, I have had clients have good luck with something like tart cherry juice, which has natural melatonin. And so something like that can be really helpful. Um, But, you know, ideally, I don't want people to be taking supplements for the rest of their lives to be able to sleep. So right it's mainly those lifestyle things that are going to encourage melatonin production at night okay that's good to know now i don't really I want to ask this question, but
0: i don't want to ask this question because <laughs> i'm afraid of what the answer is going to be. Um, I really make an effort not to look at my computer or my phone before bed, so I know that screens are and blue light um, is bad for you. What about the e-readers? Like I have a Kindle paper white and I love it because of course I can download all my books and I can take it with me. So I don't have five different books like I used to. But
1: are Kindles or e-readers bad for you at night? It depends on the kind. A paper white is actually fine because it doesn't have that back light. I know that <laughs> blue light. It's not emitting blue light. If you're using more like an iPad or something, then it is. And you there are Um, apps you can download that turn that blue light to red light and you can set it to do that at a certain time Mm -hmm. so that's what I would recommend for someone who's using an iPad but yeah luckily I like a Kindle too (laughs) and so I know it was one (laughs) of the questions I'm like
0: I'm gonna ask her because I have to know this (laughs) because I always talk about bringing my Kindle everywhere and you can download this book and download that one. And I'm like, okay, I got to find out the truth about this paper white Kindle. Yay. It's still a go. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) Um, so what are the top three things that you would recommend to my audience, um, on helping them optimize their sleep, especially when they're traveling for business?
1: I know that traveling is tricky to be healthy in general Mm -hmm, (laughs) and get a good, a good night's sleep. You know, the the food tends to be unhealthy and yeah. Um, So while traveling for business and sleeping, I would say that having a bedtime routine that you do at home and then that you do while you are traveling is really helpful. So that acts as a cue to your brain that it's time to go to bed and of course, that you don't want that to involve screens. So whether that's reading, or meditating, or listening to an audiobook, or taking a bath, or doing a crossword puzzle, listening to music—you know, whatever it is that's going to be relaxing and wind down—doing that at home and then doing that while you're away can be really helpful. Um, other things I would say are to wear an eye mask. If you're in a hotel room, that's going to have, you know, their lights from clocks and lights from the heater and, you know, kind <laughs> yeah. of little lights everywhere. And so that's going, that can interfere with your sleep too. And so either wearing an eye mask or, you know, I know someone who brings like electrical tape and scissors with her and <laughs> tapes over every single little light in there. Wow. I think it's easier to wear an eye mask. I know. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, just just keeping that light out of your eyes is going to help you sleep better. And then I would say it's similar with noise. So, you know, trying to get a room that's away from the elevators, that's on some of the upper levels can help minimize noise. And then, you know, I even have a little white noise app on my phone that I sometimes play. And that just helps drown out all the other noise that you might hear so that you can sleep better. Right.
0: And I bring earplugs with me everywhere. Um, yep. n- now, of course, the issue is I find at home because my um, spouse, he snores a lot. Mm. And so that was why I started wearing them. But does that, um, is it okay to do that on a nightly basis, wearing earplugs? That Does that affect your sleep in any way that say you forget them
1: and you're like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> Well, psychologically, if you forget them, (laughs) that that could be tough. But no, I think that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah. How does um, stress, because stress used to be a major uh, impact in my sleep, how does stress impact your sleep overall?
1: Yes. Well, whenever you're stressed, whether that's external from a bear chasing you in the mountains or from rushing around from one thing to another and... Um, that's going to produce cortisol. That's part of your fight or flight response. And so your body releases hormones like cortisol, adrenaline, epinephrine, all those things. But again, we want our cortisol levels to be zero at night. And if you're stressed all day, including until the second you go to bed and those cortisol levels never, never lower, then it's going to suppress melatonin and it's going to make it very hard for you to sleep. So managing stress is a huge part of sleeping well, for sure. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay, which obviously leads into if people want to get a hold of you, um, because I think what you do is super valuable, and especially for my audience, I know I have a lot of people that listen that don't travel for business. It's more just sharing that journey of becoming healthy together. But um, how can people get a hold of you if um, they're interested in a consultation or just seeing what you do? Yeah. Well, my website
1: is thecompletesleepsolution.com and I have some free eBooks on there. Uh, One is five mistakes busy professionals make when they can't sleep and what to do instead. And I have another one that is called five little known reasons, high achievers can't sleep and how to fix it. And that's getting into things that affect our cortisol that you might not be thinking of, like the blood sugar roller coaster we talked about for example mm-hmm. or gut health which i mentioned briefly so kind of getting into more of the science of what else can affect our sleep
0: okay awesome yeah i i'm definitely i downloaded the um which was it the five mistakes bu- busy professionals make um so i downloaded that already i'm going to be checking it out and then i'll make sure that i post the uh links in the show notes so everybody can get a hold of you and so I just want to thank you so much for being on my show. I really appreciate it because I don't take sleep for granted anymore. I try to get the seven to eight hours of sleep in. Sometimes I struggle with it, but it's my main focus so that I can stay healthy. That's awesome. Sleep is a huge overlooked component of our health. It so is. So I, you know, if you ever want to nerd out about it, I would love to chat again. Awesome. <laughs> thank you so much, Martha. Yes, thanks for having me for those of you that struggle with sleep, I sure hope you got a lot out of that episode. I know I did. I was very happy to hear that I could read my Kindle before bed, which I've been doing for a a very long time now, and that it wasn't going to affect my sleep. That was the question that I was really afraid to ask. So I was super happy about the answer. And you know, make sure if you are struggling with sleep and you know you've thought about investing in a sleep consultant, reach out to Martha. She would be happy to hear from you. You can check out her website, the Complete or you can email her at Complete solution at gmail.com as well. And I'm sure she would be really happy to help. I have one more thing I want to talk about before we cut out for the day. I have started a new series called Road Recommendations, where I am promoting products or services that help me not only increase my efficiency while I'm traveling, but also improve my health. So if you have a product or service you would like me to try out or vet out and give a full review on on one of my shows. Then please reach out. You can email me at infotheroadtohealth.me. At of course, you can check out my website, which is www.theroadtohealth.me. And I also showcase these on both social media platforms, Instagram and Facebook. My handle for Instagram is the Road to Health PC, as in podcast. So there's a video posted there. You can always check out to see the most current products that I'm promoting as well as my Facebook group, which is the Road to Health podcast. So if you have any ideas, please feel free to reach out to me and I may just try them out and you may just get a review on one of my upcoming episodes. But until next time, guys, enjoy your travels. I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Road to Health podcast. Of course, your support means the world to me. So if you like my show, make sure you hit subscribe so you can keep up to date and not miss out on a single episode. I love to hear from my listeners and get feedback. So if you have any ideas for future shows, make sure you send me an email at info at theroadtohealth.me and be sure to check out my website, www.theroadtohealth.me, where you can sign up to receive the latest news as well as get a free copy of my five tips to staying healthy on the road. You can also find all my social media links there and email information. So make sure you reach out and until next time, enjoy your travels.